You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today's topic is the topic of water, primarily creating fresh water. So we're going to be talking about a desalination process, but also a very, very unique approach to creating uh, fresh water and utilizing water as a resource beyond just fresh water. And because water resources are such a key aspect of the economy and the quality of life in Central California, which is the world's most agriculturally productive region, um, fortunately, there are forward-thinking groups and businesses like the Monterey Bay Regional Water Project and the Deepwater Desal group that are on the leading edge of providing what is termed an oceanographic solution to producing fresh water, which you might uh, call, I I add tongue-in-cheek, the wave of the future. So I'm very pleased to have as my my guest today, David Armanasco of Deepwater Desal. Welcome to the Business Hour, David. Thank you very much, Ron. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Now, the mission of sourcing water from deep in the Pacific, which you'll be describing to us as a unique aspect of what Deepwater Desal does, is that process of uh, moving the water to a desalination facility, then distributing uh, fresh water for multiple purposes. But there are some things that go on uh, in between reaching that water deep in the Pacific Ocean, just off the coast of Monterey Bay. And in the case of deep water desal, you're doing it in an environmentally and economically sustainable way. And so before we drill down into the various technologies, the range of technologies that are involved, uh, let's have you share uh, what you must have shared numerous times, and that is a broad brush overview that helps the general public and and a layperson to understand the project, David. Well, to begin with, Ron, um for desalinization process itself to be successful, you need to find a good sustainable source of seawater. And fortunately, on the Monterey Bay, one of the deepest sea canyons in the world comes right up close to the shore within 300 feet. So accessing this deep canyon uh, becomes much more economical than canyons that are located far offshore. And once you get down to a depth that is below where the sun reaches, you then find yourself uh, having the possibility of drawing up water that has far li- far less of the larval life and, and life that really lives uh, in what's known as the photic zone, where sun- the sunlight reaches. That's typically where you would find uh, seaweed and larvae and all all different kinds of of life. So being below that life, you're really dealing with uh, uh, fish that are of larger size. And one of the main considerations in the desalinization process in the intake of water is being conscious of not entraining or impinging uh, sea life with the intake. So deep water desal um, is going to locate at approximately 130 feet 
down into a deep canyon uh, on a plateau in the canyon. And that water is very clean. Uh, in fact, our studies have shown that uh, it's made up of, of a lot of very ancient uh, seawater. Um, and so by being able to start with water that is clean, that allows us not to have to um, utilize more forms of treatment uh, in cleaning the water. So that water is drawn up uh, at 46 degrees temperature, which is cold, and it's brought ashore. Uh, and then we have uh, uh, innovated uh, our process to include some other technologies so that there will be more uses for the water uh, before it even uh, comes to the desalinization process. So, David, California in particular, and in various uh, coastal locations around the world, but in California in particular, they have toyed with the idea of cost-effectively uh, and just effectively desalinating ocean water. And, in fact, there are a couple of projects uh, in Southern California. Uh, the Poseidon uh, folks are, are are working on a couple of projects. I guess one of them is, is in operation. But the Deepwater Desal Project with the unique uh, canyon that's in proximity to Monterey Bay is 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 different, and and we're going to get into why there are multiple benefits of drawing water uh, from this uh, canyon. But who who came up with the idea? Who uh, who was it? Some oceanographer that was uh, down in the canyon, reflecting on the canyon. Well, uh, the idea was uh, born by uh, our founding uh, CEO, uh, Dr. Brent Constance who is a Stanford professor who um, has uh, invented uh, bone cement uh, that's used in uh, Western uh, orthopedic medicine. And the cement he um, invented, he did so by observing the life of coral. And he is uh, a a geologist and an avid uh, diver, and most of his life he's been studying uh, the ocean actually all over the world. And uh, Brent um, came up with the idea that the water in deep canyons uh, would probably be be of great benefit. So we uh, took a number of years. We were formed uh, in April of 2011. even before that, we had started studying uh, the Deep Canyon, and we've actually spent $8 million on scientific studies um, uh, of the Deep Canyon right off of the Moss Landing coast in Monterey Bay. And um, we became convinced, and the science has supported the theory, uh, that the water uh, from the Deep Canyon is really um, a very good sustainable source. So the big challenge is to prove to people who do not know enough about desalinization or whose impression is is that uh, it can foul the ocean environment, uh, that this can be done in an environmentally responsible fashion. 
and um, we have the scientific evidence uh, at, at this point after a number of years and as I said eight million dollars of investment uh, to prove that the uh, this method is a very good method um, and of course all based upon uh, the fantastic source that exists uh, so near shore well and as a matter of fact uh, David you you waited uh, for a considerable period of time so that you did have uh, scientific evidence and the support of marine biologists and the marine biology community, which in Monterey Bay would be sizable uh, for a lot of people who aren't aware of the fact that uh, it was the site of uh, a major uh, fish cannery uh, industry and uh, now home to one of the uh, the, the, the best uh, aquariums uh, in the uh, in the world, uh, you, you know, it was uh, a hurdle that you wanted to get over, and you waited before you started to make this project uh, m- as public as it is now. Is that correct? Yes. Well, you know, it, it, it's very interesting in that you cite the Monterey Bay Aquarium because that is very important. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has been an absolute leader, uh, not only in, in our region, but globally now. And uh, David Packard, who um, whose family provided uh, the money to start the Monterey Bay Aquarium, also at the same time recognized that this Monterey Deep Canyon was of vital interest for the future, and he established the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute, which is now perhaps the most prominent research institute in the world, um, right there in Moss Landing, right on the shore, because he... um, uh, he, he felt that with the deep canyon so close to shore, it would be much more economical to study it uh, from uh, Moss Landing rather than having to take ships, although they have certainly built beautiful research ships, uh, way out to sea to find deep canyons uh, and discover what uh, lives and how life occurs uh, in the deep canyons uh, in the oceans of the world. And so the Monterey Bay has actually become the, the number one studied area, uh, ocean area in the world. There are now uh, 27 marine institutions located around the Monterey Bay from Santa Cruz uh, to the north uh, down to Monterey in the south. Uh, the University of Stanford's uh, oldest um, is the oldest research institute that's been located uh, on the shores of the city of Pacific Grove on the Monterey Peninsula uh, uh, since the early uh, part of the 1900s. So it's um, so Monterey Bay is exceptionally well-known, and, of course, it is a national marine sanctuary, so it's also uh, really protected, and the policies that uh, are in place are very strict. So for deepwater desal, uh, it we we have not only the importance of our studies and, and the investment, but also observing the policies uh, and regulations of the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary and the California Coastal Commission in um, our approach to this project. Well, it would seem that uh, you've had a convergence of some of the absolutely best uh, possible Support, you know, from uh, the early concept and uh, Dr. Brent Constant's uh, idea. And by the way, I I, I have to uh, add here that uh, for listeners not familiar with uh, his 
his innovation of uh, bone cement uh, derived uh, uh, from from coral. That is the, if I'm not mistaken, leading uh, process for uh, mending bones, broken bones, and 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 bone grafting. If I'm not mistaken, so uh, he's a man of considerable uh, innovation, and and this would be another. Uh, uh, leap forward in innovation uh, with him recognizing the potential value of utilizing the water from the deep canyon, but also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, are we talking David Packard of the uh, Hewlett Packard uh, orga- uh, family? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, the David perfect Packard of Hewlett Packard. The the perfect uh, technology and uh, economics, uh, uh, if you will, support. So, uh, in, in that sense, uh, from the very uh, beginning, uh, in the embryological stages, if you will, this, this had some really, really fine minds. Uh, the fact that you've gone uh, the distance to, to uh, ensure that it's environmentally sustainable, and for a lot of people who aren't aware, the California Coastal Zone Commission is one of the most highly protective uh, coastal protection Commissions. Uh, there are some other parts of the country that have followed some of those same regulations, uh, but uh, if you drive that uh, pristine section, uh, when you start to get north of Santa Barbara and then uh, north of uh, San Luis Obispo, all the way up to Monterey Bay, uh, that is some of the most highly protected uh, uh, coastline uh, in the world, if not the most protected. And uh, so you, you 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 had your work cut out for you to ensure that uh, you were uh, environmentally uh, sensitive. We're going to be taking a break, David, but when you come back, um, I think we should talk a little bit about uh, the desalination process for folks out there who aren't familiar with uh, what it takes uh, to take the salt out of seawater. We'll talk about that. We're here with David Armanasco of Deepwater Desal. We'll be back to talk about this very innovative approach to creating fresh water right after this break. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, 
taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with David Armanasco of Deepwater Diesel, and we've been talking about a very unique combination of technologies that have come together to form the Deepwater Diesel approach to taking water from deep in a canyon off the Monterey Bay uh, coast uh, and bringing it to shore. Uh, We're going to talk about how it's utilized even uh, beyond uh, creating fresh water, but uh, let's talk about the desalination process itself, David. You know, this is not a, a, a new... A technology, although uh, the deep water desal approach might be a proprietary uh, a, a approach, uh, for many, many years, uh, scientists, engineers have been working to create uh, desalinated fresh water, uh, but run into problems with uh, the expense uh, and with the problem that. Uh, you had corrosion uh, from the salt water. So as you're describing the process and the approach that deep water desal is taking, tell us a little bit about how you've uh, dealt with uh, the corrosive nature of, uh, of salt water. And, uh, and we'll, we will reflect as well on the multiple economic benefits because we'll, we'll even touch on uh, the alternative renewable energy uh, source that you're you're incorporating in this as well. But tell us about uh, the desalination process. Okay, well, let me describe the desalinization process, which is actually not new at all. It's very old. Uh, many parts of the world have relied on desalinization. I think the prime example is Israel, um, that, uh, you know, they, they have turned desalinization into a very productive resource for their entire country and they're an example uh, on how to manage water um, by having developed a drip irrigation and other forms of of irrigation but to get to the desalinization process it's relatively simple Um, you uh, intake the uh, ocean water or brackish water if you're in a different location and you force that water through what is known as millipore filters. And that's where the expense comes in because um, you, it requires a lot of electricity to pump that water through these microfilters. Um, and those filters uh, take out both uh, salts and solids and um, other factors, including me- uh, some minerals, and uh, ultimately you end up with um, a very clean water uh, that is then, um, once it's been through those filters, the um, uh, what's called brine, uh, which is the result of what's taken out, 
is then uh, diluted and um, either uh, turned into salts uh, in some locations in the world, which requires a lot of land to do that, or uh, returned to the ocean, but uh, by using dilution methods to prevent it from uh, causing any harm uh, in the ocean. So the the process is fairly simple and proven <clears throat> in terms of actually removing the salts and the solids from uh, the ocean water. Uh, millipore filters are used in a lot of other um, ways as well. Uh, as an example, in the wine industry, uh, for uh, filtering wine during the winemaking process, uh, they also use millipore filters, although they don't have to have uh, the same level uh, and number of them uh, because they're not trying to remove as much out of uh, the raw juice making wine as you do uh, from ocean water to produce fresh water. Um, this would, of course, be uh, millipore filters on steroids when you're talking about the, the volumes uh, uh, coming from the ocean. Is that right? Yes, and it's very—they're very simple. Um, the the filters are are created in what they call trains. If you could imagine a um, a a train, a freight train, uh, and the more water that you need to filter, then the longer train you're going to have. Um, and so the um, um, the water is forced with really heavy-duty pumps through these filters. And, um, and, and the, as, I, as I described, the, it, it's a simple process, but it just takes uh, a fair amount of energy. And that is where we have become very innovative uh, in our approach, and we're the first in the world uh, to have come up with uh, the innovation uh, that uh, we've been recognized for uh, at the COP21 in Paris and more recently in the June issue of uh, National Geographic magazine. And um, I'm pleased to describe that for you if you'd like. Yes, that'd be great. Well, well we, we, we were always faced with uh, the criticism that uh, two things, that desalinization is very expensive and it can be harmful to the marine environment. So those are the two issues that we had to really address to convince people that it could be done less expensively than, than has been traditional and uh, that the treatment and dilution of the brine uh, can be placed back in the ocean without creating harm. Uh, so what we have done is we are pairing a data center for those who don't know what a data center is, a data center is where the cloud is stored, where all of our iPhones and mobile devices uh, are operated from. A data center is just simply a big building with thousands and thousands of computer servers. And uh, the cost of operating a data center is uh, expensive because it requires a lot of electricity, number one, to supply power to the servers, but uh, importantly, to also cool uh, the room so the data servers, uh, the servers don't burn up. So 
so what we are doing is we are taking that very cold water and we are going to circulate the cold from that water in the data centers um, and the the cold from that water uh, will reduce the cost of operating a data center by 45%. Now, we're not the first in the world to do that. Google purchased an uh, old paper mill in Halema, Finland, next to an ocean fjord, and uh, they draw water from deep in that ocean fjord and circulate it uh, in their data center to save the cost of electricity. So we learned that aspect from Google, but no one has ever paired it with a desalinization facility. So there's two factors that come out of the data center. Number one, uh, we cool it using the uh, cold ocean water, and then number two, we capture the heat from all the servers. And the reason that's important is that the warmer the water, the less expensive it is to push it through the microfilters to desalinate the water. So by capturing the heat from those servers in the data center, we can then warm up the water from 46 degrees to 70 degrees, which is a lot less expensive to push 70 degree water through microfilters than it is to push 46 degree water through filters. So we accomplish savings on both sides, uh, and that is a great benefit because it's an element that helps us continually drop the cost of producing the water and therefore ultimately dropping the cost to the consumer for the water. Uh, there's an additional element um, in that a data center requires 150 megawatts of electricity. When, when and a, a desalinization facility requires 25 megawatts of, of electricity. When you are buying 175 megawatts of electricity to 200 megawatts of electricity, you are in a far different category in terms of the ability to lower the price of electricity when you negotiate your contract with the electricity provider and significantly reduce that cost. So by reducing the cost of processing the water, by reducing the cost of the power to process that water, um, you then uh, achieve significant savings, and that is one of the issues that helps respond to people's perception of the cost of desalinated water. Uh, and is that uh, was that a factor in the Cup uh, Twenty One in Paris? Is that what you're telling us? Yes, uh, at the Cup Twenty One in Paris. Um, there was a two-page article about our project uh, in the official publication, and um, uh, and, and it cited uh, all those uh, elements that I've just uh, reviewed with you uh, as being uh, the innovation of deep water desal. And in fact, we do have patents uh, uh, on a number of those uh, interconnect uh, uh, elements that tie the data center and a desalinization facility together. I think you'll also find what's interesting, Ron, is that since there's been the publicity of the COP21 and since the uh, coverage in National Geographic last month, 
um, we have been approached by a number of different areas, not only in the United States, but also around the world, uh, that are very intrigued with um, our project. And in fact, there are are delegations that have already been here to visit and uh, more coming uh, in the next few months. I would imagine uh, that it really uh, upped the level of exposure uh, for what you're doing. We're going to be taking a break, uh, David. When we come back, you can tell us a little bit more about that. And, and we'll get into some of the other aspects um, of all, utilizing alternative energy. Um, we're here with David Armanasco. We've been talking about the very forward-thinking project at Deepwater Cell, and we'll be back with David right after this break. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And we've been talking with David Armanasco of Deepwater Diesel, a Monterey Bay freshwater producing project that uh, has garnered a great deal of attention just because it is harnessing so many different aspects of technology from oceanography to hydrology to the use of alternative energy technology to the heat reduction properties of the cold water uh, and the desalinization process itself. Um, David, before the break, you mentioned that uh, the Nat Geo uh, article in particular uh, may have uh, boosted the level of exposure. Uh, was this from virtually uh, every continent? Um, well, we have actually before the Nat Geo article, we, we've had interest uh, and exposure in the industry because uh, um, all of the biggest desalinization companies in the world uh, have been in touch with us. Um, and a number of them have uh, visited. 
uh, with us uh, at Moss Landing to learn more about what we're doing. Uh, but the the uh, uh, so the interest uh, spread from there, and then of course, as I mentioned earlier, the exposure to the COP 21 in Paris, and that, and then of course recently um, the. Um, exposure in National Geographic uh, magazine's June issue, uh, but the people in the water business pay close attention <laughs> to what's going on globally. In fact, there's a publication that uh, everybody in the water business subscribes to out of uh, Houston called the International Desalinization Report, and we've been the subject of that publication too in the in the industry. So um, there has been awareness building uh, about our project, and I, I think one of the really important factors uh, about our project, besides the innovation, is that we went after the science first. We didn't develop the idea of a project and then do the, do the science later. We did the science first so that we could prove out our theory and and have it substantiated by uh, independently by uh, uh, oceanography uh, oceanographers and and uh, scientists marine scientists who uh, are acquainted with uh, the Monterey Bay. In fact, um, we even took a, a hands-off approach uh, in the very beginning in that uh, the protocols for how to study the Deep Canyon were established independently by a group of scientists and they were uh, paid through the National Marine Sanctuary Foundation in Washington, D.C. We deposited money with the National Marine Sanctuary Foundation. They contracted a group of scientists to independently uh, organize the protocols which they thought the, that portion of the Deep Canyon should be studied. And uh, so that added uh, additional credibility to uh, our approach. David, have you also uh, looked into utilizing uh, alternative energy uh, processes? Yes, there will be a mix uh, of alternative uh, energies. We have a memorandum of understanding with um, one of the newer, very large uh, solar uh, projects in San Benito County in California, which is an adjacent county to Monterey County um, in an area called the Pinochi Valley. And um, that project is under construction now. Uh, so we have had a, a memorandum of understanding with that uh, project for some time to be able to take some of their electricity. Um, but we also are located right next door to a power plant. And, um, you know, the, the, in, in the world, most desalinization facilities tend to locate right next door to power plants because power plants generally also will benefit uh, from ocean water uh, in that they use them to cool the turbines that uh, drive the... Uh, uh, that create the electricity. So we are located adjacent to uh, a power plant, uh, which also has its benefits uh, to our project. Well, of course, most uh, engineers in almost any field and most people of science that have uh, read anything about uh, uh, energy production know that 
uh, you know, those giant cooling towers that you see at many uh, power plants, particularly nuclear power plants, uh, you know, they're performing that uh, critical function of cooling water. So, uh, you know, your process is providing uh, cooler water, again, cost-effectively. And so you have uh, data banks, and a lot of people don't stop to realize that uh, large utilities companies and banks and you know, uh, some uh, other industries uh, have their own uh, data data centers, um, but certainly the uh, data center farms uh, that are dedicated to uh, many numbers of uh, servers, along with the power plants, can can definitely benefit. So it's yet this other aspect of uh, uh, economic efficiency. Um, I wanted to ask you, in the desalination process, you know, the corrosive nature of, of seawater that I mentioned earlier is, is ever-present. Have there been any advances any time uh, recently in, in new stainless steel alloys, or are, 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 is it PVC piping that might be utilized in the process more than ever? Yeah, I think that um, uh, it's, it's a combination of both. It's, it's, it's uh, piping that uh, withstands the ocean water and generally has uh, can have a lining inside of it that's similar to PVC um, that uh, helps give long-term life uh, to the uh, pipes that you utilize. One thing that we're doing is we're going to be horizontally, directionally drilling underneath uh, the ocean floor. Uh, so that very little of the pipe is actually going to be exposed to the ocean, only the intakes um, and uh, the discharge area, uh, which are in two separate areas. Our intakes are, are going to be a half mile offshore, and our discharge area will be a mile offshore. And um, uh, so technology uh, in terms of, of um, directional drilling and uh, use of uh, the right kind of uh, material for the pipes, um, you know, is, is definitely well advanced. Uh, the oil industry has certainly uh, led the way uh, uh, with that kind of technology, and uh, it's really fairly simple uh, so that it's a matter of good engineering calculations, uh, et cetera, and the r- use of the right kind of material, but it definitely all exists. Well, well my guess is, is that... Uh your hydrology uh, engineers are are probably also uh, looking for ways to utilize whatever the most advanced combination of uh, of piping and valves and you know pumping uh, uh, technology uh, as well. Since you've uh, taken that approach with other aspects of the project, it would seem that that they're going to be uh, trying well, that's to a very, incorporate. It's a very good point, Ron, because um, in fact. Uh, we will require very little energy to get the water ashore uh, from where the intake is um, because the water will flow in at about a half a foot a second. And, um, and because we will dig a deep uh, water well on land, um, it, the pumping will mostly occur once the water is already on land. Uh, you can equate it to how you empty uh, your kid's fish aquarium uh, when you want to change the water. 
um, uh, in their aquarium. You just simply put a bucket below uh, the aquarium. So uh, essentially, this is the same thing by having a deep, uh, what we call a wet well on shore, uh, that water will come ashore and um, into the wet well with just very, very little pumping. And, and that'll help it stay cold as well. Is that right, David? Yes, yes. And then uh, once it's ashore, uh, then we'll, you know, pump it back to uh, our location where our property is uh, um, behind uh, the uh, power plant uh, in Moss Landing. What about uh, uh, some of the salts and the solids and, and, and the minerals? Are you doing anything different with, with uh, that, uh, that, that aspect? Yeah, well, we have, we have consulted with the um, uh, number one oceanographer in the world when it comes to um, desalinization discharge. Uh, is Professor Jenkins from Scripps uh, University in La Jolla, who has uh, consulted all over the world uh, in the desalinization space. And uh, the key there is is two things: is is blending the 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 brine with water, because some of the water we will bring ashore won't even be desalinated; it will be simply uh, used to transport uh, the brine back out into the ocean. But then you, we've studied the ocean to find where the best place is so that it's dispersed quickly and because the water will be slightly warmer when it goes out instead of falling to the bottom it will rise and uh, our monterey bay is constantly turbulent and because of that it will mix uh, the discharge with within an area smaller the size of a football field and um and and as you know the monterey bay is very big it's very deep and, and all the studies show that there will be no environmental impact. Uh, in fact, the studies on our intake showed that there would be 0.007% impact, uh, which, you know, the Coastal Commission considers well below insignificant. Yeah, that is uh, y- yet another dimension to uh, the environmental sensitivity and the sustainability of the project. And um, I'm wondering about uh, that huge uh, dimension to all of this that is related to public policy. And when we come back, maybe, David, although you can give a seminar on this one aspect alone, (laughs) maybe you could help uh, characterize what what went on in the early stages uh, and how you... Uh, got over the hump to uh, cultivating that uh, that support and 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 getting uh, the public policy folks uh, on, as well as the lawmakers on the side of uh, Deepwater Desal. We're here with David Armanasco of Deepwater Desal. We've been talking about this very forward-thinking, leading-edge technology and system for taking water from the ocean deep in a canyon and converting it to fresh water with benefits uh, along the way. We'll be back in just a bit. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, 
only on America's web radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with David Armanasco of the Deepwater D-Cell organization that is overseeing a Monterey Bay regional water project uh, that is utilizing uh, what they term as an oceanographic solution to producing fresh water. Uh, in in what I think is a is a glorious uh, combination of technologies, uh, I, I, I use the phrase a convergence of uh, support uh, in, uh, that ranges from uh, Dr. Brent Constant's uh, perception uh, finding that uh, uh, deep water uh, in a deep canyon off the coast of uh, Monterey Bay could be uh, ideal for supplying cold water, which is better than warm water, uh, and that the water could be used for cooling purposes even before it uh, is uh, pushed through the desalination process, uh, and with the backing of uh, folks that uh, have credentials, uh, including uh, David Packard of the Hewlett Packard uh, uh, family. uh, And uh, so you also have the condition of drought in California, which has gone on forever, not just uh, decades or uh, uh, hundreds of years, centuries, but uh, forever. And uh, I have always felt, uh, David, that uh, in some cases, uh, the cost of certain uh, fulfilling certain needs, like the need for fresh water, uh, if it had a high price tag, it just had a high price tag, uh, the fact that what you've done is uh, combine these technologies to do it so uh, cost-effectively, and then you add to it the uh, environmental sensitivity and the sustainability, I, I, I just think that's uh, what makes this a, a unique uh, and extremely valuable uh, example of what can be done to produce fresh water. One aspect is that you're also helping to restore um, Monterey Bay uh, rivers and tributaries as well. Tell us just a little bit about that, and then we'll get into the public policy because, of course, uh, 
uh, public uh, policymakers probably really liked the idea that you were uh, helping to preserve uh, and restore uh, rivers and tributaries in the region. Well, our our big problem, you know, in, uh, in the Monterey Bay region, um, is that you know we have no access to any of the state water uh, programs uh, that are well known uh, inland. Uh, for instance, San Francisco receives uh, its water from the Sierra Nevada mountains. Uh, Los Angeles receives a great deal of water from Northern California and the Delta area. Um, so on the Monterey Bay region, um, we do not have any access to any of those um, waters. So what has happened is that um, the, the coastline uh, is suffering from saltwater intrusion. And the saltwater intrusion is so significant that it's affected a lot of the walls. Um, it is, it, excuse me, it's affected... Uh, a lot of the areas uh, inland from the coast. Uh, the city of Salinas, which is the largest city in Monterey County, has saltwater intrusion all the way uh, up to its north side. Therefore, uh, the wells that they've relied upon for agriculture and for potable water for um, urban use um, uh, has been significantly impacted. At the same time, uh, there are areas in Santa Cruz County and northern Monterey County where the wells have dropped so deeply that they are now pulling up water um, that uh, is contaminated uh, and, and therefore uh, not usable. And when you have those kinds of conditions, you are... Um, really having to cut back on water use, which uh, the area around Monterey Bay has become very accustomed to extreme conservation uh, in water use. But um, the issue is that we've pushed our groundwater basins uh, down so deep that it's impacted all the rivers and the streams that empty into Monterey Bay, thereby impacting uh, uh, all of the different fish species. We have more endangered uh, fish species in the rivers than we do in the ocean. And so desalinization can take a lot of pressure off of those rivers and uh, off of the needs for some of those wells uh, to supplement the water supply, especially in drought, uh, for both some inland uh, cities and some coastal cities um, around the Monterey Bay. And um, so that's uh, one of the reasons why we have described this as a regional project, because our project will be serving a number of water agencies around uh, the Monterey Bay region in both Santa Cruz County and Monterey County. And the result will be it will, will reduce the impact uh, on uh, some of the rivers and streams and tributaries into the Monterey Bay and hopefully allow those groundwater basins uh, to begin recovery, which will really take decades uh, for them to really recover fully. And this uh, situation where um, water from the Sierras uh, doesn't reach the, the Monterey Bay, um, if, if I'm not mistaken, 
Um, along the way, as California uh, was becoming the most agriculturally productive region of the country and in the world, um, the industry, the agriculture industry, just continued to grow and grow. There was more and more land. It was a thirst for water. Uh, you have cities and industries uh, like San Francisco, a, a large uh, West Coast uh, city, um, there was a time, if I'm not mistaken, when water did reach uh, fresh water from the Sierra Nevadas. The snowmelt uh, and the flow of the rivers was such that it was uh, clean water uh, f- flowing uh, to the ocean and that that uh, equation changed over the last few decades, uh, making it uh, even more of a... Uh, a drought situation and also uh, harming some of the the rivers and streams. Is that correct? Yes. Well, we just you know we've had an absence of snowfall. You know, so our snowpack, which we've relied on for forever uh, as Californians, um, you know, has been significantly reduced. And so we are in the fifth year of a of a drought in California. Uh, in the Salinas Valley, we have some of the most innovative farming in the entire world. Uh, the use of water uh, is extraordinarily careful. Um, the, the, the innovation uh, with the use of water in farming has taken great advances, so they've really cut back on the amount of water that, uh, that they use in farming uh, just because of its high value and, and is a, a scarce resource. Um, so our whole region has such a consciousness about water and has had for such a long time that um, we've seen an awful lot of innovation created here in our region about water and the use of water. In in fact, um, uh, on this program, we had Dr. Robert Mace with the uh, Texas Water Resources uh, uh, Water Development Board uh, and talk about the kinds of approaches that uh, Texas is taking along with desalinization of uh, uh, water uh, on its coast. Um, but, you know, smarter ways of utilizing the water for, for all purposes, but particularly for agriculture, so that you have both California and Texas fortunately leading the way uh, to advanced technologies for uh, providing uh, clean water uh, for all uses, but but particularly um, the thirsty agricultural industry. Well, is it safe to say, David, that that one aspect of what you were doing for uh, supplying uh, water to both uh, this important industry, and, but also for uh, helping to clean up the uh, rivers and streams, um, endeared uh, the project uh, to uh public policy makers well yes we've um, we definitely have uh, have the support of the governor and lieutenant governor of california and our, our uh, most of our local uh, legislators who are aware of the project uh, have been very supportive uh, they've offered testimony before the california state water resources control board uh, on our project so, you know, the the understanding and the belief uh, in our project continues to grow um, uh, as we have an opportunity to educate people about it. And, and, of course, you know, people are learning more about it because of the exposure we've been receiving. 
Um, and we are, you know, in our environmental uh, study phase, which uh, we'll be wrapping up towards the end of this year. Uh, so we have indeed made uh, a tremendous amount of progress since uh, the day we um, we decided to pursue this idea. And um, uh, but you know these kinds of projects don't happen overnight. The, they take uh, a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort uh, because the, you have to really prove out that um, this. The, the project can work, that it can have the benefits uh, uh, for uh, consumers, and that it will be environmentally sound. So we're feeling uh, very confident uh, about those issues because we have taken uh, what we believe to be the right steps. And as I said pr- previously, you know, the science uh, is at the basis of uh, our theory, and uh, the science supports uh, what we have come up with. Well, I have to say uh, somewhat in summation that I, I, uh, I, I have a real appreciation personally for uh, this very smart, this uh, highly intelligent, innovative, and uh, patient approach uh, that Deepwater Desal has taken to uh, create and to harness uh, a range of technologies um, with multiple benefits, and I know you were uh, one of the early uh, founders of the organization and that you have helped to oversee communication. I want to direct folks to www.deepwaterdesal.com for more information. And, David, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the program. Well, thank you very much, Ron, for taking the time to share our story with your listeners around the world. We definitely appreciate your interest and wish you continued good luck as you bring interesting information to your listeners. Thanks again, David. We've been talking with David Armanasco of Deepwater Desal. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the Internet and on the radio next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.